from my childhood uh, i loved telling stories so my mother often say how talkative a kid i was i would tell her long stories about what happened in my school and i often spiced it up with my imagination so for me uh, telling stories is a vital part of my life been something that stayed with me the longest it amuses me to take something mundane and spin it into something intriguing mysterious or funny so when i see a stranger going about their work uh, it amuses me to think about their life what they are going through their dark secrets trauma happiness fantasies or frustrations so it's such a fun thing to do actually so for me writing or creativity is a way of uh, defeating the passivity it's a way to make my humdrum life more interesting so in that sense uh, i'm primarily writing for myself it's my way of not getting bored with this life and i also love how people react to my writing it gives me immense happiness when someone says that my writing entertained them or moved them so before becoming a writer my life often moved in an autopilot mode i was floating over days going to office taking off my to do list but writing gave me a richer life a more mindful life i think that's what creativity means and it's not reserved for artists creativity is a way of life a more mindful way of living it's about looking around and experiencing way in a more involved way like paying attention to simple things like how the boiling water changes color when tea leaves diffuses in it or how the evening sky has different color profiles every day for me the life as a creative person or a writer is a richer way a more powerful and beautiful way to live Hey everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. I'm your host Sangeeta, aka the Moody Marshmallow. You just heard our guest for today, Shalini Vineet. Shalini is a fiction and freelance writer. She has worked for 10 years as an engineer before turning into a full-time writer in 2018. Since then, she has published 5 books and travel guides. Her stories have appeared in magazines like Out of Print, The Bangalore Review, Borderless Journal, and Kitab International. Before we move into the conversation, I am happy to share that the Closet Writer Chronicles has been nominated for the Podmasters Awards, celebrating excellence in Indian podcasting, and we've been nominated under the Arts and Entertainment category. Voting has begun, and it closes on 10th Feb. This wouldn't be possible without the amazing community of mentors, well-wishers, guests and most importantly you the listeners. So this is a win for you guys as much as it is for us. So show some love and be sure to vote for the Closet Writer Chronicles in the link given in the description. Now let's tune in to hear about Shalini's journey with writing, identity, stories and more. Hi everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. This week I have with me Shalini Vineet. Welcome to the show Shalini. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you Sangeeta. It's it's good to be here. Yeah, I know. So, you know, for 
the uh, audience just to kind of put it out there so i actually met shalini at a fiction appreciation workshop i think I, if i remember correctly that's what it was it was about south asian uh, fiction and literature so that's how i know you um and it's it's so funny that now we're like sitting here and talking about the work you're doing and the journey you've had um so on that note the first question uh, i want to ask you is what is your earliest memory of being creative and what is also your earliest memory of like writing yeah so uh, i started writing at a very very young age so like i as far as i can remember i have been writing so maybe it could be like uh, my uh, 5th or 4th standard so i studied in a school where literature is uh, of very much importance so we had uh, the school had a lot of importance to literature and our malayalam teachers and uh, like malayalam was the main communication medium for that time and um, all the malayalam teachers were very uh, very much oriented towards literature and writing and things like that so i felt like uh, even when very young age like 3 third or fourth standard the teachers kind of encouraged to write a lot outside our academic work so i used to i remember like we have very very frequent uh, school magazines and like travelogue writing all all activities related to writing i think that is the first um, you know first encouragement i got to write and uh, then i remember keeping so i had a school magazine i used to work with that when i was in, in the lower primary itself then uh, i had my own magazine so i i had a personal magazine i i asked my mother to buy me a record book the one which we have in colleges like that big record book and i i i and i it was my own magazine so i used to write in like in the style that we have our school magazine i used to adorn it and i think within 2 3 years i made it into a complete full fledged magazines with all like all everything so at that time i like you know very innocent writing whatever i felt like i wrote and uh, but i think my mother still have it because she keeps everything yeah she keeps everything i wrote from i don't know my earlier the first story i wrote she she has kept everything so i i maybe she even have it now so that i think writing has been like uh, a part of me even i that time i was not thinking uh, like consciously about writing but i think when i look back now i when people ask me like when did you start writing i feel like i've been writing since i can remember so uh, proper probably writing has been the thing that stayed with me the longest so uh, and also like when i throughout the like school days like from lower primary to high school then i published my first short story in madhubhumi weekly when i was 16 years old so it was in malayalam and uh, so there also like i i been very fortunate to have a lot of people supporting me throughout my writing journey uh, be it the teachers at school and my aunts like my mother's maternal aunts both of them are like good writers and readers so they were like they have not written professionally but they used to write a lot they are kind of closet writers both of them <laughs> they encouraged me to read they used to read when i when i was very young maybe like uh, it was not even age appropriate for me they used to read like novels and like really <laughs> novels for adults and the novels like written by mt vasudevan nair vaikya mohammad bashir kamala das they they used to just 
because they wanted to read and they have to take care of me so they just kept me by their side and they started reading it so i remember all that um, you know that is my earliest memories and i i kind of really connected to malayalam literature at a very young age i really feel like kamala das uh, kamala suraya uh, uh, her uh, her pen name is madhavi kutti so she and yk mohammad bashir are like two of my uh, biggest inspirations and i i kind of really feel connected to them on a, i have never seen them i have I never had a chance to communicate with them but through their writings i feel like i have i've been connected to them so all those early influences has been very very crucial uh, but at at that point i didn't have any <laughs> any idea that i'm going to pursue writing even though you know it was just like a hobby or something which you do your for yourself or like yeah it it was more of a hobby for me and also a way for me when i think about it now i feel that it was a way for me to kind of make sense of the world around me so i just like i told you earlier whenever i had a tough time or whenever i go through something i don't understand i always try to write about it to kind of make sense so by the time when i write about it sometimes i felt like yeah things are now clear for me so or i'll get more questions about it so i think it was a kind of way to make sense of things around me as a kid and also a kind of a resort when when you know when you can't talk to anybody about something you are going through i always and for, i i used to keep a, a journal from very young age so i yeah so i have my journals from when i was uh, i think at uh, high school probably high school till i always kept a journal and i i normally don't read them nowadays because some of them are too embarrassing but it's fun <laughs> so i think journaling has been a big part of my life yeah so the, all those yeah all those writing <laughs> no but that's that's so cool because i think there was a lot i related uh, with what you said just in terms of because even for me like if you ask me like when was the first time i like enjoyed writing or like my earliest memory of it. it it was in school in english class and i always used to say that you know it's this sounds so crazy also because like i used to enjoy my english exams especially like my english two papers i used to love that essay writing piece at the end <laughs> and i i would leave it for right at the end because i used to find it so therapeutic and i would just have fun with it like i whatever based on the topic and i don't know i just really enjoyed it so i i i like that whole thing of writing you know for the school magazine uh, and what not and it's really cool that you made your own magazine which that that's damn creative i think um but you know having said that obviously you know you had this affinity and okay it was like a hobby and what not but you kind of went down the path of engineering which i think i feel like a lot of like indian students in a way kind of go that path and i i'm increasingly realizing how many of them don't stick with it after a point <laughs> but you know um like what was kind of your um, trajectory of, of why did you really make that choice of hey you know let me study engineering and you because you worked as a full fledged software engineer for like 10 years and then made the switch so like what was that thought process like and you know that journey for you in terms of okay i'm starting engineering i'm going to work for you and then suddenly you make the switch <laughs> so i was like so actually my uh, in my case um, i was not like not typically oriented towards engineering when i was doing my uh, like my 
plus one, 11th and 12th, I was not very much interested in engineering per se. So it's a big, it's a kind of a very interesting story how I ended up in engineering. So after my 12th standard, uh, so I didn't appear for any of the entrance examinations engineering because I wanted to go for a physics. So I got an admission in Farooq College uh, in Calicut and uh, like I got an admission and everything was ready. I was about to go. And then what happened was I was my mother is a teacher and uh, I usually during my vacations, I used to go to the office and help the clerk with something. So I used to just go there and help her. So the clerk, so it was during my 12th uh, summer vacation, right after I got admission for physics. So she, the clerk told me, hey, there is a career uh, session going on in the upstairs. Why don't you go and join them? So I told her, no, I don't want to go because I already chosen physics and I'm going for physics. Uh, then she told, no, just go. It will be fun. And they have like snacks and also you go. <laughs> so I went. So there is, there was this person like uh, his name is, I think, B.S. Warrior. He's a very famous uh, like career uh, uh, career uh, consultant in Kerala at that time. So he was giving the session. So during he so he talked to a lot of people, interacted with a lot of students, and he asked me about my twelfth marks. And so it was pretty good. And then he asked me like, "What are you going to do?" So I told I didn't give any engineering entrance examination. So I'm going to go for physics. Then he asked me, "Have you heard of Bits Pilani?" No, I was like, oh, no, I have never heard of it. <laughs> then he's like, uh, a person with your mark can easily get into physics in Bitspilani. Or Bitspilani is a very famous college. And I, so that time, because I am from Vyanad and I was not even, like it was the time before internet and everything. So there was no information revolution. And uh, your I, my uh, exposure to the world was very limited at that time. So he told, why don't you go try just apply it? The application has just started. So you... Then, uh, okay, I thought, okay, why not? Like I applied, but not for physics. So then the then I realized it's an engineering college. And actually then suddenly there are some people in our local. So my father works for BSNL. So there are some people told him that it's a very good college. Why why she want to go for physics? She can go for engineering and she'll get an admission also. <laughs> so suddenly like all the things you know went into motion like in a two one or two weeks suddenly the application went in and i was i was in a kind of a haze whether to go for engineering i was like but then you know what happened the i realized that the, there is a new campus in goa and i got so excited <laughs> this is so stupid okay i mean it was I, before I, yeah, I admit it's so stupid i was like oh the college is in goa then why not okay i mean i was like it's the same. I mean, I, I'm all, I have always been like this. I've been very impulsive. So my parents, uh, they didn't force me or anything. They told me, do you really want to go? I mean, you already got an admission. This is something very different. Do you want to go for engineering? I told why not? I'll go and try. What, what is the big deal? <laughs> so as usual, I just jumped into it because I wanted to go to Goa. And uh, I was so happy because, you know, four years in Goa is like, what, what more you can ask for? And you get an engineering degree on the side. <laughs> I love how that was the driving force. I get to be in Goa for four years and there's engineering on the side. <laughs> and also I was like, okay, then why? why? And I can, I can actually, like, I studied in Calicut for two years, my 11th and 12th. So I wanted to go to a new place. Like, why should I again go to Calicut and study physics? I was not even, you know, when I, if I like, frankly, I was not even bothered about the consequences of my action. I mean, I don't care, okay, whatever. <laughs> 
so it was it became like a destiny i went into the goa campus i studied engineering and it was uh, such a fun i mean i don't know this is just pure destiny okay i feel that way because goa studying in bits goa bits pilani goa campus has been one of the most transformative experiences in my life not uh, not not too much in the engineering aspect i studied engineering i passed so let it you know we can we can just <laughs> uh, like Uh, have it at that but the other things you know uh, like i met my husband in goa bits goa and i met my best friend in bits goa so like lot of it has been a transformative experience for me and then i as usual i got placement um, and i came to bangalore and i worked for like so then i started working like i was, my first job was with, was with sony sony i was working with a sony a bravia tv so i was in a semiconductor industry initially so then <laughs> then while i was working then i started working i realized that this may be may not be a good career option for me <laughs> very very late realization so uh, i but still yeah i mean i uh, tried to do my best but the thing was um i was not very passionate about engineering like i i came to know i i realized during the final years and during my internship during the few years of my working i realized engineering was not my thing then i went for mtech so that i thought okay i quit my job at sony and i went for mtech i thought okay maybe i could teach maybe that may be my passion like you know a lot of people do that right so i went for mtech and after i did my mtech i was damn sure i don't want to do engineering <laughs> but, still, but still i didn't know what else to do right i don't have nothing i mean i have only engineering degree and now i have an mtech on top of that i was like oh my god it's so heavy <laughs> what do i do now then i went into uh, broadcom i worked in broadcom for almost 6 6 years and the work was very good i worked in bluetooth it was cool uh, like it was very cool and the work culture i never had any trouble with this corporate so called corporate politics or anything i know no job pressure because we had over stuffed actually at that time so we didn't you usually don't have work <laughs> so, wow touch wood that that's amazing to hear but but for me personally uh, i cannot um, thrive in an environment where there is no passion i cannot no i cannot go on working uh, i couldn't uh, kind of settle for that kind of a life like where i'm because my all my uh, colleagues were like very good engineers they were very talented and they were so passionate about engineering so during our conversation i would just sit there and like okay i am not even in this world okay i am not connected to whatever they are saying <laughs> i will just go to my go to office and i'll just do my work i come back i'm not connected to that world and i am not passionate about what they are doing okay they are doing something but it's it's not like you know i'm not i'm not finding any purpose in what i'm doing so uh, during all these times like i think from 2011 i reconnected with writing so during my engineers engineering course in goa i stopped writing completely so from 2000 i think 4 to 2009 10 time i didn't write anything like yeah i wrote like little bit here and there but not anything professionally or anything so 2011 i started a blog in malayalam so at that time this blog spot like revolution was going on so a lot of people were getting on to blog spot and they were writing a lot so all my malayali friends were on blog spot so we made a little community like all the malayali writers and i still have that blog spot where i used to write malayalam stories from 2000 i think 11 to 2013 14 i wrote 
and there has been a very good response to my story so that's how i realized oh maybe i could do this i mean not full time but yeah i i can write so there are a lot of comments and we used to comment like it was like a community mostly we only like there is no readers as such only writers reading each other's work on blogs for and patting on each other's back saying yeah yeah you're so good but still it was a kind of a confidence boosting thing then i started traveling a lot i started writing travelogues in malayalam first so then there were i have a lot of friends who don't read malayalam i mean they cannot they are from other states and they cannot understand what i'm writing so they asked me translate translate your travelogues to english so some of them i tried translating and i found it's for me it's easy to write easier to write in english than oh. in malayalam that's surprising <laughs> malayalam, malayalam was like because i maybe i Uh, during my engineering and my job i didn't have so much friends as malayali so i usually converse in english a lot and also i started reading english a lot so i started translating so actually my english writing uh, started with this travel guide travel logs so i have a travel website uh, also i where i have written a lot nowadays i have no i'm not writing that much uh, so i wrote almost 100 plus travel articles in that so that was my practice to write because <laughs> i was not yet con- confident about writing fiction as such so uh, then um, i think in 2018 uh, i had a baby uh, 2017 i had the baby and uh, then i in, i was in maternity leave so i thought well, why not try writing a fiction in english like i had a lot of time on my hands and okay so i thought then i translated no translated adapted one of my short stories into a novella in english and it was called magic square so that is my first book that's how it came about so this malayalam story had the entire structure and everything the entire plot was there i just had to uh, expand and put it into an english format so i wrote i think i wrote it in like 3 4 months because the story had been like i been developing that story from so many years and wrote it in malayalam so it was an easy process and i really enjoyed writing it so i published it in kindle pen to publish contest also i participated so that's how i think if you ask about my like from engineering i came to writing so it has been a systematic process but an unplanned systematic process so i always believe that like you know maybe destiny had it that whatever i do wherever i go i will land up in uh, writing so <laughs> then the, uh, the decision to quit my job was i think the mo- the most difficult decision i have taken like you know the most difficult decision i have taken so far because i i went to a point that i have been writing so much mm, i was so occupied on all weekends i was like even sneaking out time and writing in my office which made me very uncomfortable because i didn't want to do that i didn't want to write on their time so i i became such a dilemma for me because right at that by that by that time i think i have become so obsessed with writing like i was like you know it has become as obsession and i couldn't go on working and writing and also i had the kid so i have to do all these together so there was a point because i have been in a dilemma for months i remember almost 6 7 months i was every day i would be consumed with this thought whether to work or whether to write there's been a very and there was for me it was kind of like there are a lot of people who write and work they do work together they can do it for me it come to a point that i cannot go on working and writing 
mainly because probably I was not so passionate about my work also. So I used to feel very, very kind of uh, depressed after my work day and I couldn't write much. So uh, then I thought like, yeah, I had to make a decision. You know, it's a time. It is the, I, I felt, I don't know, some, somehow I felt the time has come. As, as I made my decision to join engineering, as I made all other decisions in my life, I kind of felt, yeah, the time has come, so I have to take the decision. I talked to everybody in my family and they were like, they were okay because by this time they they are used to these kind of decisions from me. They know that, you know, they know, they are like, they expect these kind of things from me and they are, they're not very surprised. They're like, yeah, we were expecting this. We knew that it's going to happen sometime. Because uh, then they were, uh, they were all cool, so happy, like my parents and my in-laws and my husband especially, he told me like, do, I mean, you can always come back. Engineering is like a, you know, uh, very, uh, very diverse field. You can do anything you want. You can teach or you can again go back into the industry. Very forgiving world engineering is. Really? That's surprising yeah. to hear. I mean, you can go, you can go into a different roles actually, and also like you don't have to be in the specific role, and you can also upskill yourself. So uh, he told it's okay. You take two years. You try for two years from 2018 or 19 to 2021. You just try. If you're not working out, you can always say that I took a maternity leave and then I'm coming back to the workforce. Everybody will take you because it's a policy for many companies to take back, you know, mothers who are coming after their maternity break. So it's all you are on a safe side, no problem. Then I entered into writing like in 2018. I used to write a lot before that, but I wrote, started writing full time, like obsessive writing from 2018. And I never, even for a day, felt like I have to go back to engineering. I mean, I I cannot think about it now. I mean, I cannot even imagine going back. I, yeah, I can do anything technical. Like, I am writing technical stuff, actually. But I cannot go back to that kind of uh, nine-to-five job. And, you know, I cannot, uh, I cannot imagine not writing full-time now. So that has been like, I feel like, yeah, that, that was the right time to do, take that decision. Because I don't know, maybe with a lot of responsibilities in life, we tend to, I have seen many people like just wither away, their creativity withers away after they will be very excited at the beginning. They'll do a little bit of writing here and there. And they're very good, actually. They may be good. Yeah. This just withers away. It's very difficult thing to do, to have a full-time job, a kid and a family and then write full-time. It's, it's very difficult. Yeah, especially if I think for a woman, it's very difficult. So um, I think it was a good decision I took. <laughs> just like just like the way I went to Goa, um, I have no regrets about it. <laughs> so just, just like that, I have no regrets about this either. Um, but yeah, sometimes, yeah, I, I kind of think about, oh my God, what will happen in the future? What is going to happen? Because there is a lot of and uh, like uncertainty in the creative field especially in writing you know yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i'm just hanging in here <laughs> so so far so good no that that's amazing because i mean i think it it helps that you had that kind of support also right like internally with your family and your husband like saying that hey you know like give it a shot like they were supportive enough to say that okay we know that you like this so give it a fair shot and see how it goes and then you know 
there are backup plans in case something doesn't work out like i think it it was practical but at the same time they understood you and they made the attempt to be like okay you know let's you know let's give this a, a fair chance um which i think is really cool and like because i know it's also tough like you said for a lot of people with a lot of responsibility it becomes really difficult sometimes to keep up with your passion in whatever capacity because life happens it's not as simple um to do it so i think more power to you and i think your support system like your family and everyone who really like helped you kind of find your path in that sense uh, but you mentioned that since you were giving yourself that chance between uh, 2019 to like 21 i mean that was also the pandemic period <laughs> so then how 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 are you then navigating during uh, that no no but it was actually like you know for me at least uh, it was uh, everyone was sitting at home and i was also sitting at home so that was like i was i i didn't feel like left out i didn't because i am not going to office and they are also not going there nobody is going anywhere so i was like i got a kind of a initial jump start sitting at home thing because uh, i felt like okay everybody is sitting at home i am also sitting at home and writing and the pandemic time has been a very uh, very uh, prolific time for me for writing as because uh, there is no other distraction there is nothing else to do you can't go anywhere you can't even go to a movie no outings no travel so i just sat at home and i just wrote wrote and wrote and i was like so just i was also in that honeymoon period of my writing so i was so excited and i i remember like i wrote that i took up a project called 21 days 21 stories so i just wrote 21 first drafts each first draft in a day so it was like kind of challenge for me i just set it up for myself and i wrote 21 and i just posted the first draft as it is on facebook for my uh, on my website for the readers to give comments and all then these 21 stories in that pandemic like one or two months uh, the 21 stories has actually uh, kind of went to different places it got published i think out of 21 i think 20 18 17 got published in various literary magazines <laughs> and uh, basically i was actually polishing that 21 stories throughout the pandemic and also i was writing my novel so uh, for actually uh, when i think about it pandemic time i have been writing like anything and i didn't kind of feel thankfully we no, no one got um, affected by it in my family as at least so but it was a depressing time so i tried uh, to like try to keep my spirits up by doing all this but i have been actually enjoying to admit it uh, and i know that it has been a very tough time for a lot of people and uh, another thing was that time people started opening up a lot so when i i put out a open call an anonymous call for stories from people not just pandemic anything about their life i wanted to write this 21 stories i wanted some plots so i told like you can have this google form you can write whatever you want whatever is bothering you or any experience and i was amazed by the response i got i mean it was just among my friends and there was, it was not like a big project or anything but it was anonymous so i don't know whose experience is that so at least five to six stories i got from those experiences and people wanted to wanted some way to vent out during that time so that google doc i shared and i got a lot of responses most of so much was rant rant and you know people are so frustrated and but still i got a lot i think 
four or five good stories i got out of that which got published in like one or two anthologies and one was in a literary magazine and then when i published the story i wrote this is the experience like i wrote it in paraphrased and thought that this was the experience shared with me and this is the story i wrote and surprisingly one or two people came back told me that this is my experience that was so i didn't know what to say like you know i i was like i mean how to respond to this kind so there was a story about a domestic abuse which was a very serious um, thing she then she told me see i got divorced and i just be it was a old thing but when i read the story i felt kind of i got a kind of a closure i mean i felt like it's all done and dusted now it has become a story <laughs> so uh, so the pandemic has been that way it has been like um, a kind of a very very productive time for me at least no yeah no that that's amazing because like again i mean i resonate because it's so crazy because for me i got like into the whole like my decision to get into publishing and like this whole writing career thing also happened during the pandemic <laughs> because like i remember like my first poetry pieces got like the, my first published piece was a poem in an anthology which came out in feb 2020 so this was like right before lockdown and i was like very and i was so like clear at that point in my life like yeah 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 you know i'm going to like move to another city and i'm going to study and work side by side and do this that and all and then everything just closed and i was like what do i do with my life and you know similar to your this thing april was national is national poetry writing month so i took up the 30 poems in 30 days thing and i joined a writing group which was doing 20 prompts in 20 days so i wrote like some 50 pieces in that one month and i was like so i completely like resonate with where you are at so it's 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 insane i think how like life can like it it was a very sad time definitely i mean i think all of us were very fortunate and privileged to not have it as bad as so many other people but when you really look at the silver lining of it all it's 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 crazy that sometimes it it took the world to stop for for you to find something you actually like doing which is crazy yes yes, yes. and i think that stillness of everything right because you know that you have to be like just stay still you cannot do anything you cannot i mean as a common person there is not much for us to go out we are not even permitted to go out so what what else we could like i remember but i wrote a lot on facebook at that time like i used to write like there is something called uh, tiny tales i used to write that was more about uh, patriarchy and how women feel when they are get you know stuck inside a house because the pandemic has been very difficult and different for women compared to men because uh, they had like additional things so there are a lot of things going on a lot of women were very frustrated and uh, you know they were had to have handle a lot of things so i wrote this tiny tales that was also one my way of kind of dealing with the pandemic and dealing with the experiences i was hearing from a lot of people and surprisingly it got a lot of responses i mean i think it pissed off a lot of uh, men <laughs> <laughs> because some of them came and picked up fights with me oh wow okay. <laughs> on the on the on the like direct message and things like that they kind of picked up fight like i mean they were trying to kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, saying that we are not like this i told like see it's not about you i mean it's about the general experience of people it's not about you or men in general 
but i think that uh, kind of resonated with a lot of women <laughs> because they were like uh, and i could feel it and surprisingly i wrote i think around 28 30 pieces of tiny tales and at after a point i couldn't i don't know how i wrote it because i tried it was just like i think there was the 50 word limit it was kind of a micro fiction and after that i because it had a lot of acceptance i wanted to write it again but after the pandemic when we moved on to normal life i couldn't write it i couldn't write them i think that is maybe because of that you know the the strong emotions at that time you know the things we were going through as a world we are going through a lot maybe because that fueled <laughs> the creativity in that way and after that i couldn't i couldn't try write micro fiction at all i tried my best <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a phase. Maybe I'm, I'm sure it'll come back at some point. I feel like there are always phases for certain kinds of writing. Sometimes, um, so yeah, I th- I think suddenly there'll be another point in your life where you'll be back to microfiction, and it'll just yeah. come. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But uh, having said that, then like, when did you make the decision to obviously like? I mean, one is you self-published, which we'll get to. But then, obviously, then when you're writing, and then this whole thing of freelancing comes in, right? Because if you want to kind of turn it into a profession, then how did you kind of make that switch? Like, okay, I can even make money out of like this, because like in the long run, you also have to be like the, the sad part is you have to be sustainable with this. You can't burn out like not doing anything. Uh, so then, how do you make that sort of switch? That okay, and decision that I'll freelance. So the like for one year, I think in two thousand nineteen, I just wrote fiction, like because I just I, I was right out of uh, of like my job, and I was writing fiction in two thousand nineteen, and I was not thinking about freelancing or I had this kind of idea from very early on, like when I was working as an engineer, also I had this dream of writing and making money. Okay, that was just like a crazy dream for me. I thought like it may it may never ever happen. because at that time i felt it's very very crazy thing to do <laughs> but anyway i went ahead and did it so and then uh, when i in 2019 around june i guess i started feeling kind of bored like okay i have nothing to do just write fiction and with fiction you don't have you, you will not get inspiration every day there will be days when you don't have anything to write you don't you are you're not in a mood to write anything then i thought about okay what can i do like what can i do differently like uh, and something that will keep me from bored so thankfully actually the bitsian community the bits uh, pilani alumni community is like so bits pilani is a very old institution it is it started in 1960s Uh, so it has a lot of entrepreneurs startups and everything so our community our alumni community is so strong and we kind of support each other a lot so what happened was um, when i wanted to start writing technical content or whatever freelance content i didn't know what to do okay i didn't know where to start so I, we have a facebook group around 35000 alumni is there in that group so we i went and uh, asked them like i just put a post saying that see i am a I was an engineer. Now I'm not. I mean, in the sense, I'm not working. Now I'm a writer. Uh, it may sound crazy to many of you, but I want job. Okay, I I don't know what kind of job, but uh, please give me some job. <laughs> Then I was like, after posting it, I felt like a 
so foolish i mean i thought of deleting it okay why why i i didn't know what to do so suddenly but surprisingly two three people came up and saying that see we have a startup okay we are, one of them was my my batchmates and she told me i have a startup so i don't you write for us like blogs you know like we will pay you like not me much kind of one rupee per word thing but i was like oh i felt oh that's a good idea right if i get and i asked her i remember asking her will you pay for e's a and everything <laughs> she said yeah but this is a relevant question i mean even when i started contributing i was like wait how does the system of paper word work because <laughs> when i never got it so she told don't worry we will edit out our every extra a you are writing so don't worry about that so i got a so within i think 2 3 days within i posted it posted that facebook post i got like one gig immediately and she told you can start writing tomorrow no problem and i was like so scared like oh my god what did i getting myself into what am i going to write i had no idea about writing content at that time then she told it's okay we have another uh, person like uh, another intern she'll help you so you can both write together so i started writing for her and i think i wrote around 12 15 articles for her and then i think the pandemic started like after 6 months i started writing for her the pandemic started and after for a few months everything was like completely uh, stopped because people definitely we are at a crisis and there was nobody was bothering about content at that time but then slowly uh, again this bitcn community my alumni my junior had my one of my juniors have a startup so he approached me and then again i got like gigs like that so after one uh, one set of content gets over immediately immediately somebody will kind of spring up <laughs> so it was kind of i i don't know how it happened maybe because of the strong community probably because i have seen a lot of people in the writing groups i have seen a lot of people struggling to get work maybe because they are not in the right uh, right circles because if you when you know a lot of entrepreneurs there is a lot of job opportunities so that's that's the plus so i whenever i think about going to bits right even though it was a crazy decision at that time it has been whatever it was meant to be i feel like you know it that that gave me a lot of opportunities in the terms of people i know and all the entrepreneurs all the work i got initially then uh, i think thankfully i wanted to expand of course i wanted to and the pay rate was like 1 rupee per word as becoming i i used to write a lot of content i used to write about you know you won't believe this i used to write about chana dal i used to write about uh, there was a exporter so he wanted to write about the export items like green gram horse gram <laughs> so i used to write like, about wait, what was he writing about i didn't understand so like for his website no no he had a uh, manufacturer uh, as a client so he had a uh, he had a pulse and grains manufacturer as his client so for their website for each of these pulses they wanted an ex- like kind of description oh, and wow. Oh, wow. history okay. and uh, scientific things so i wrote about green gram horse gram so my i still remember my husband used to say oh my god from bluetooth you have reached chanadal <laughs> from chanadal where will you go i was like but the funny part was it's it was like you know it was kind of interesting you know at least i'm not getting going and sitting in an office and getting bored <laughs> and and so i i learned all about all the pulses and everything 
then i thought yeah maybe it's time to stop writing about sanadal and <laughs> move on to something else so at that time i came across a job board called uh, i think the uh, right plus jobs i think it was called right plus jobs so it's a very good job board for international gigs for content writers so through this uh, uh, right plus jobs i came to know about um, the blogsmith where i am working as a content writer for like past 2 years so that i think in from the like 2021 september i am working with blogsmith and it has been a very good experience and i am steadily working with them it has become like a full time job for me with uh, flexibilities so it is very flexible as such like i only take up whatever i want for a week and then work on it so so it's that also the content writing also has been and it's a very i don't know whether it can be like sustained with ai and all uh, threatening us every single day i don't know whether it, i'll have the same job after 30, 15 years or even 5 years but yeah for some time being it's like it's working out thankfully but yeah there is always uncertainty in this field <laughs> i cannot say what happens <laughs> yeah i mean yeah ai is yeah the new like i think threat so to speak for a lot of these like content writing copywriting like a lot of those kind of jobs but yeah i mean hopefully not anytime soon <laughs> yeah i mean you say it is a real threat <laughs> yeah yeah oh god yeah chat you will see all these chat gpt demos and stuff and it's like oh, okay then <laughs> but no um having said that like i mentioned you also like self published um a couple of books right there's the magic square your latest one lost edges so then what drove you to that decision of you know self publishing especially because like you clearly already gotten pieces out in like literary magazines and what not so do you then in i i wouldn't say it would make it easier in that sense but at least it gives you some credibility when you're pitching to a traditional publisher or an agent for that matter because they're like okay this person is someone who has like a certain quality of work since they've gotten published in you know xyz magazine or anthology or whatever so then you know did you try pitching to traditional publishers before taking that decision or was it like no i'm just going to go ahead and self publish uh, no the like for magic square and i'm uh, my first two books which i have published it was through kdp first so because i am an engineer i understood that kdp is like an easiest way to publish and i was not like kind of intimidated by the technicalities of publishing through kdp so i just went ahead and published because at that time maybe i my uh, my knowledge about the traditional publishing system was very limited i just know i had to publish a book and there was kdp i published it so there was not much thought went into it but with lost edges my debut novel actually i pitched a lot but the unfortunately i started like uh, as soon as i started pitching the pandemic started so there was like a lot of places and there were a lot of backlog for all the traditional publishers and they were like i got a um, lot of rejections on that i tried the traditional way for at least one one and a half years i tried pitching even after pandemic i think the whole of 2021 i pitched 2021 and i think till the middle of 2022 i pitched but things were like i think very turbulent in most of the publishing houses at that time and they were like the, many of them some of them responded saying that we are full like we have so much backlog we cannot take yeah some some of them i came very close with one or two publishers but uh, some of them i couldn't agree to their terms 
and some of them there was waiting time for like 2024 times so it was in like 2023 beginning but um, then i thought i have experience publishing it myself so let me try it anyway because the lost edges i have been writing for like 9 years so i have wanted to get it out because i couldn't move on that's the main thing i wanted to publish that book and move on to something else so that's why i uh, decided that okay i'll publish it self because after one one and a half years of pitching i was like in a very very bad place <laughs> personally and i i couldn't move on from that novel i wanted to write something new and uh, you know move on to something else so just so i thought uh, i'll publish it end to end so this time i didn't go with the notion press or anything i just printed it myself i i'm selling it on amazon as a seller so it's been a huge learning process and i sometimes i wonder why i jump into things like this like i mean what is wrong with me <laughs> this was also such a decision to you know publish because i wanted certain kind of standard for this book like you know the typesetting i wanted specific way i wanted the chapters in a specific way so i that was not coming like you know that not many people offered that kind of when you are so specific with so many things like you know writers cannot be like so demanding to be honest you know most of the times you have to yeah, go with publishing yeah you'd be surprised uh, you you have to you have to go with whatever they give you but i kind of i talked to a few of them and i was not ready with whatever they are offering i was not as happy so i thought okay why not and i jumped into the process and it has been such a difficult thing to do i mean i really have high respects for all the publishers <laughs> now and i know their pain okay now i don't i don't blame any publisher for anything because i know their pain personally i know how much they make exact figures i know how much they make i know how much amazon takes how much money amazon takes from a writer and a publisher so uh, but it has been a very huge learning experience for me and uh, yeah sometimes i feel like there are second thoughts okay maybe i could have gone with that publisher this publisher but yeah so but the thing was the book had to go out i had to get it out of my system and i have to forget it and move on because you cannot cling on to something for so long and then i am writing so the next book actually i am writing so that is with the traditional publisher so it's a novella with the red river press so this is like yeah this is going to be in the next like next year hopefully it will come out and um, so that uh, that's that's been a very different experience for me so i have experience now self and traditional how it is going to happen i think both have like i think you are coming to that actually so both have their merits and demerits it's not like you know both have pros and cons like if you talk in engineering terms <laughs> no because the reason i was coming to that is because like obviously now self publishing has increased and now i think the quality of self publishing is also kind of improving right like now i think people are a lot more like there is a certain standard that's coming up even in self publishing because even i mean the fact of the matter is till date a lot of traditional publishers don't give self publishing that kind of respect like the way they would give a traditionally published book it's still very much there you know like a lot of them still kind of look at it oh it's not going to be good it's not going to be well edited and i can't even completely blame them because a lot of self published books are still not up to a certain there are very few that actually do a good job 
so which is why i was like you know then you know does it become risky to take that decision because later obviously if you want to work with a traditional publisher the minute they see like oh she self published like it becomes like a thing so that's why did you go through that kind of conflict of thought when you were making that decision mm. no the the self publishing i was not kind of worried that uh, a self a traditional publisher won't pick up a self published author's book because i think there are a lot of uh, writers i have ex- like model there are a lot of people who are doing this both traditionally and self for example andalip andalip is uh, publishing her books through published traditional and whatever whichever she prefers she publishes through self so i think Uh, kind of traditional publishers are now kind of getting used to that uh, thought process like okay some some writers want to publish both ways so i was actually i was not much worried about that like okay i may not get a traditional publisher because um, like some of the traditional publishers were interested and they kind of even told me like okay we we would like to see your future works so i i never had that kind of uh, worry Uh, but yeah not getting a traditional publisher was very disappointing for me i i'll be honest i was it was very devastating getting so many rejections and i couldn't figure out like why i mean <laughs> still like why i can tell you why and it has nothing to do with the quality of your manuscript <laughs> why me i always thought uh, but yeah then i thought like yeah maybe i keep writing so like at some point uh, like whatever is destined to publish with the traditional publisher it it will come up so as for the example this red river press story the novella actually i didn't even pitch to them so the the editor read a short story of mine which was kind of got like 46 rejections i posted it on facebook saying i got 46 rejection on this i don't know what is wrong with this story then she told send me i'll tell you what is wrong with the story so this is uh, sujeridatta datta so she is the editor of bangalore review so she, i kind of know her she read it and she told see this is not a short story this is a longer form story you have you have kind of bundled a lot of things into this so you cannot you know because it's very incomplete so that's how she asked me do you want to write a novella for us then i like i'm as usual i said yes okay i'll expand this 5000 word story into a 35000 word novella i'll do that <laughs> i then i was like after i told her i sent the mail and everything i was horrified oh my god what i have got myself into again like <laughs> i don't know i mean i never learned i thought then somehow yeah i kind of she uh, i worked with her she has been very helpful like that that's how i really realized that the editor in a traditional publishing system is a big very big part i mean it's just a biggest advantage of uh, you know publishing with traditional you know even though you want to self publish and have a editor it is going to cost a lot so if like it's going to be a really cost a lot for a self published author to get a really good editor at that level so i think that is one of the biggest advantage of traditional publishing which kind of you know i feel like that that uh, every writer deserves a good editor basically yeah <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, be- yeah because an editor can really make or break yeah. your yeah. manuscript yeah, yeah. Like- so even for lost edges i had a freelance editor uh, pangaj giri he is a writer also and also when working with him i realized that a lot of things that his editors can really make a change to your manuscript there is a lot you can 
the editor can make a difference really it can as you said make or break the <laughs> book so yeah i think that is one thing about traditional publishing i really love but i have only worked with two editors <laughs> i never i don't know but both of them were like really amazing yeah yeah no i th- i think yeah editorial sometimes doesn't get uh, the sort of uh, credit it deserves because a lot of people think it's easy but it's 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 not i mean i i do manuscript evaluations myself and only when i started i realized the kind of work and it's like you said you when you do that you go through that process yourself as a writer also you have immense respect for people sitting on the other side because you know what they're going through when they're looking <laughs> manuscript yeah. like, so i'm also consciously when i'm writing now like okay okay no i'm like cannot make copy edit mistakes cannot structure like this cannot do like that because i know this is going to irritate like the person so much but yeah i i, I completely agree but you know having said that like oh, when obviously you decided to like switch into freelancing and you know um self publish and what not like were there any like assumptions or misconceptions you faced about what you were doing i mean okay granted your family knew you well enough to be like <laughs> okay she is impulsive she will do whatever she wants but like were there things you just generally faced that oh you know like you're self published so this won't work or you're freelancing it's not very viable sustainable was there anything you faced like that yeah a lot of things actually i learned a lot and lot from my mistakes basically because <laughs> i was because uh, coming from an engineering background i had zero experience in writing and zero experience in publishing so for kdp i think kdp was as a good system so kindle publishing is a good system they have made a good system and you just have to uh, uh, like because the system is robust uh, you don't face a lot of issues with kindle publishing but when it comes to print books it's such a very such a difficult things for a uh, for a writer to self publish a print book in india yeah Because, yeah there are a lot of self publishing companies but i have heard a lot of horror stories like take any publishing agency i'm not i'm not blaming any of them but at least one or the other author has a bad experience with all of them so if you go around ask okay which is the self publishing company you like it's very difficult to get a you know solid answer oh, this is these guys are solid they are like you know like any other traditional publisher see because some many people are ready to give money to get a good print of their book and you know make it available on amazon or bookstores i mean bookstore is another story it's like a big another kind of full episode we can do on what happens with bookstores it's another big oh story yeah, yeah. distribution <laughs> is uh, yeah. is a subject on its own <laughs> but the some of the things which i felt when i was publishing my first book like magic square i published through notion press and i was not very happy with the print quality as such because the consistency of the color of the cover was not good and also the the interior print i felt like it felt like so uh, kind of what you say uh, f- kind of uh, what is a very very uh, i can't call it classy basically so it was there it is kind of usable it is readable it's okay but it's not like very classy as you see with the nice traditional publishers and when i was uh, doing the like i know when i was pitching for lost edges i also tried with a lot of self publishers books i bought they also had this you know the typesetting the print quality the cover so it is not comparable with like say harper collins or penguin so that is the main thing i felt so print printing printing and distribution 
of uh, physical copies is difficult. I mean, that is something which all self-published authors struggle, I guess. Most of them, many of them go with one of the self-publishing companies and I'm not sure how many of them are super happy with any of them. So that's why one reason I took up the process myself. So I, I found a printer and I told him this is my kind of, uh, these are my uh, conditions. But still, when you print like small quantities in a small press, uh, there are a lot of problems with the printing. So it's not easy as like if you go to Repro, uh, they are they are the professionals. So but Repro will not print less than 700 copies. So that is a challenge. So for me, getting out the print copy was a little bit challenge with the lost edges and setting up on Amazon was a challenge. And uh, and but thankfully it takes I think it takes a little bit of trial and error. So if you are a, if you want to be a self-published, completely self-published author, I think it just takes a bit of trial and error, like find a printer who works best for you and like registering on Amazon as a seller. And I have also contacted many bookstores in Bangalore and they actually graciously agreed to keep my book. So they just had a quality check. It's available in Blossoms. It's available in Atagalata because uh, they just they wanted me to they wanted to check the book quality first so when they knew that okay the book is having a good quality comparable to uh, other books in their store they were okay with it they were i i was so surprised and actually i was euphoric because my book in blossom was like <laughs> such a such a great i i met my gouda the uh, founder of uh, blossoms and he was very very receptive to my idea he told it's fine. I told you, do you accept self-published book? He told, see, it's not like self-published or traditionally published. It's about the quality which I keep in my store. I cannot keep any and every book in my store. There is a limitation. So I think this print quality is the biggest uh, challenge for self-published authors. And you, when as an author, you have a concept of your book in print form it has to look like this it has to feel like this even for me i'm a maybe i'm a perfectionist but i have had a feeling like how the touch and feel of the pages should be for lost edges and that was not working with other self-publishing companies so that's why i went with the printer and with the but i think there is you know there is a lot of things that can go wrong because uh, self-publishing is for writers who can handle all this stress that's what i feel people who cannot handle all this stress like you know i will just write and somebody please publish me i mean i totally understand that kind of you know i, I totally understand you okay if anybody is listening to this and feeling the same i totally understand your feeling because sometimes end of the day you are a writer you are not a publisher or you are not an entrepreneur you're not a, anybody else but trying to self-publish, trying to get in the business of all these can really take a toll on your writing. That's what oh, I have felt. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I felt the burnout. So this year, uh, May, I published my book until I think for six months before I started the publishing process. And it really took a toll on me. And I totally burned out by the time the book came out. And from May, I think I started book marketing. That is another big you know huge yeah yeah oh god yeah. 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 so from may to december i've been totally burned out to the publishing process the marketing process so now i understand why some writers don't care about all this okay they just want to write and i also want to be in that kind of a space because i don't want to worry much about 
all these aspects which is not my uh, expertise because my expertise is writing <laughs> so some people will tell me like okay you publish your book to like alone no now you can start a publishing company because you know the process right i tell see initially when i had that crazy idea but thankfully i am like no no stop that is the limit you <laughs> never a... say never charlie suddenly a few years down the line you'll be like i'm starting a publishing company i won't be surprised if that happens it takes some time so that's what i feel it takes a lot of time from your creative process so being a creative person is kind of what you say it's a kind of a meditation for me i felt because i know the both sides now i have seen the side of being a pc entrepreneur a publisher a person who sells and packs her book and send it to amazon like 20 copies i have to pack uh, actually when i feel like it takes away the uh, that kind of stillness from your life you are always worried about something or other so my i feel like yeah if i have to self publish i can do, do it through kdp and i can do it through a self publisher that's what i'm going to do i'm not going to bother so much about going through this so difficult process because as a writer i need that stillness in my life i want to be you know clear about this aspect that i'm not a publisher i'm not anything else i'm just a writer <laughs> this is something which i learned the biggest learning this year has been this because let you know let i mean i'm not saying if somebody can do that well and good like they can do it but not ev- it's not everyone's cup of tea because and book marketing is another thing you get into that and it's like another black hole it can totally absorb your creativity you will be like crazy you are putting posts on instagram you are putting posts on facebook you are checking how many copies has been sold it all can take a long toll on your creativity because at some point i think i have i know some writers who have been marketing their book for like 2 to 3 years now after its publication but for me it won't work like that way because i have to say stop somewhere and move on to the next thing that's that's my biggest learning from the entire self publishing uh, adventure which i took <laughs> i'm not saying i will not self publish because if no if like yeah if the need happens and if i feel a piece is fit for traditional uh, self publishing i'll definitely do it but the thing is uh, you cannot become everything yeah it's it's very difficult it's it's very difficult to become everything it takes away kind of your attention to different things so you know, i i felt it's very tough to do everything myself yeah, that's why it's a business <laughs> yeah yeah you cannot like you know but there are people who do it i mean yeah yeah of course there are people who can pull it off no no doubt about it because i had another guest on the show in season 1 um ashna lulla so she self published like um Oh, this i don't want to call it a coffee table it's like a coffee table book but it's about like she and like another uh, person who did the photography they went and documented different homes in madras and they interviewed people and they kind of made this compilation of the architecture and also the history of these homes and the family stories with it which was really cool and it was and was self published because she was pitching they were pitching to so many traditional publishers it just wasn't going through and they took the decision to self publish and they were so particular about quality they would go to the press themselves so when she was like yeah it's a tedious process but at least like you know it's like to as per the standard they wanted so like that's a, it's it's really cool to see different people kind of get into this space and do it 
similarly there was another guest who did the bon- a bonus episode with us aditya manija who used to be commissioning editor at penguin and he said he's like i was like i can't do editing anymore because it's going to change my relationship with reading and books and he's like i'm not comfortable with that so he was like i'm taking a step back from this and i'm going to just be you know freelance writing and doing other things so it really is like you it's a different kind of stamina to be a publisher to be in this industry for yeah, sure yeah yeah i totally agree the stamina part i totally agree you need a different kind of stamina to be in this space and deal with all these <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really it's it's something else but uh, moving on to lighter subjects um so you know like you mentioned that you used to write um in malayalam and then switch to english and realized it was easier for you to write in english but you know having said that i'm do you still write in malayalam if i may ask yes yes i i still write i write in the sense uh, like try to translate from my english stories i try to translate to malayalam oh, so, so it's kind the of a little bit twisted way because i think in malayalam then i write in english and then i translate into malayalam so it's it's kind of a little twisted but i feel yeah malayalam like mother tongue is definitely a big influence in anybody's life so you think first the because the, i am a, i am from a malayalam speaking malayalam reading generation not like i am not an expat malayali i am a person who born and yeah, because i Kerala. can't i can't read and write malayalam i can speak it but i cannot read and write the language i have a very strong relationship with the language i really love it and i really read a lot in malayalam and i try to write also but you know uh, like for me and i feel like some of certain hyper local stories i think it's best to be written in the original language because you cannot maybe then you can translate probably into english or any other language but certain there are certain hyper local stories very difficult to you know describe it in english like to narrate in english so that's that way i feel like and i kind of in the past few months or year i've been feeling a very strong pull to start writing in malayalam also like i want to do both because very kind of yeah because i feel like i mean this is a language which i was born and brought up in which i have lot of respect and love for so why not when i can write when i am writing why not do that also like you no know, because i any i don't i don't worry about the years i didn't write in malayalam because i think the languages are something like once you start using it it comes it's like you know either either you can write or you cannot write there is nothing like you lost your ability to write in between <laughs> yeah your vocabulary may suffer for a while uh, but as and as and as long as you start writing it's it's fine so i think and i really love to write in malayalam because it can also connect with people who you love because your family is in kerala like you know all your best friends and all people very close to your heart there are a lot of people who wants to read your malayalam prose so there are a lot of people like why are you writing in english you are a malayali <laughs> i so i tell them like see i even i want to do that because it's a different feeling both both are i think different feeling writing in malayalam and and also but i am little kind of anxious about writing in malayalam because i have not lived in kerala for like last 15 20 years so i've only lived in kerala till i was 17 and uh, so like last past 20 years i've not lived in kerala i don't know the local vibe if you call that <laughs> so i don't know like there are a lot of 
awesome writers from Kerala, young writers who are living in the vibe and capturing the vibe of the language, of the culture and how it changes. And I have more become a metropolitan citizen now. I have become like, so I, I don't know, but I really, so I'm just having this plan of writing a novel about Wayanad. Wayanad is my birthplace. And uh, there have been recently a novel about Wayanad called Walli by Sheila Tomi. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've not read it, but I've heard yeah, a lot about she it. She has written in Malayalam first and been translated to English. It was and, on the JCB uh, list. Yes, yes. It has been on a lot of lists and she has written about uh, Manandawadi. It's a place near to my place. My place is Sultan Bateri. And she has written about a history beautifully about Wayanad. So when I was planning to write a novel about Wayanad, I read her novel. Uh, it's kind of different time period. This set in a little older time period. But um, I kind of felt so good reading it because, you know, I have not got a chance to learn about my hometown so much because I moved away for a lot of things. I, I always feel nostalgic. So I think this is a good way. Writing about a place is a good way to reconnect with it. That's my main idea. I don't want to. It's, I'm not bothered about getting published or anything right now. I mean, this novel is just in a kind of a seed. It has... It is just germinating. <laughs> I feel like it's a very good way for me to connect back to the roots. Maybe I'll be writing in English again because uh, maybe trying to do write about uh, in a large canvas in a Malayalam novel may not be a easy thing to do for me at least. But yeah, uh, but I think see going back to writing in mother tongue means you're go you're in your roots. <laughs> That's very important, especially my daughter cannot read or write or even speak Malayalam properly. So I, I feel the pain now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it, it happened because I, I mean, I was born in Trivandrum, but I've been in Chennai since I was like a three month old <laughs> so like my parents had the issue where when I started school so when I started like kindergarten and stuff apparently that that first one year I would like I did not speak because I couldn't speak a word of English I could only speak Malayalam so they had to consciously make the effort and then there was a phase where I had difficulty speaking Malayalam because it was such an English 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 thing and then now somehow I'm like I'm like I'm again like getting comfortable with the language. I think that's also to do with the fact because my parents still make the attempt of speaking at home. <laughs> my grandparents would speak to me in Malayalam. So you, do, you don't have a choice but to then converse. And then you're watching so much of Malayalam movies or whatever media, this thing. I think that also really, I mean, I'm sorry, like, like growing up watching a Mohanlal Mamuti or Suresh Govi Jera movie every weekend is like, then it's like ingrained in you, the language to some degree. Yeah, I think the culture you live in and, you know, you born, even though you don't spend so much time there, whatever your parents' language, your parents, your mother tongue and your culture, like whatever comes from your own place, it has a lot of uh, uh, you know, influence even though we don't realize it. Because in Malayalis, there is something I have observed that we all talk, we have a lot of film references. When we talk, when you go and talk to a Malayali, he says something, a film reference, and I immediately get it. Yeah, almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And non Malayalis were like, okay, what are you even talking about? But we have that kind of a thing. 
and i think it's so difficult as a metropolitan citizen as a global citizen having that kind of a thing to connect immediately is so i have seen that i have even started speaking to stranger malayalis and within 5 minutes we are talking about you know that malayalam movie slang we are talking we are talking about some character so that kind of connect is so wonderful so it's, it's almost magical <laughs> that is true i i think yeah i think the way stories connect in kerala is is amazing because even the literature is so rich because i i mean i always knew malayalam literature there was like this sort of abundance but i think now because i've gotten into publishing and there is a certain interest in translated work and regional language literature is now and i'm increasingly realizing how rich that work is and that world is and i i really want to try and like get into it and you know read as much as i can like i mean one being because we even discussed this book in that uh, fiction class which was hangover by k r meera yes, i finally yes. got the book so i'm like oh, i'm okay. so <laughs> like but the english translation i remember you mentioned that the malayalam one was a lot more intense when you like read it so um i'm excited to dive into that but no what i was coming to with the malayalam english question was that um so obviously now when you're writing in you know two separate languages how do you feel like your like do you feel like your process is very different or it's similar or can you actually feel that the way your your processing things is different when you're writing because you said you think in malayalam write in which i found very fascinating how do you like how does that work so i i mean what is it like when you're writing in both languages so uh, for me i think writing in malayalam is more i think it's it's a more intimate experience it's like uh, so writing in english uh, what i feel is like in english writing there is a lot of uh, theory and it's very systematic how you approach it how you structure it and there is a lot of more system it's a systematic process for me and you have the drafts and you have the revisions and you have the everything so like it's go from one one version to other revision so even though i don't write malayalam so much i recently kind of try to translate a few things i wrote and another thing another novel somebody else wrote so i felt like uh, it's more of an intimate process you you don't feel there is a filter in between you and the writing so you whatever is you know you just writing it so it yeah it needs revision like every every writing needs revision but it's like there is so english i felt it's it goes through an additional layer of uh, filtering because i have to stop and think okay what is the word for this and sometimes you i i get the malayalam word for it and i don't know the english word so i go and google i type in malayalam this and meaning in english how do we describe this feeling in english but i think when you write in malayalam there is no filter like that because it comes like but being said that i felt like some things are very difficult to express in malayalam especially romance you know really yeah for me at least i felt whenever i write romance i feel like i'm writing like malayalam i feel like i'm writing in some 70s movies romance <laughs> Famousy is coming from the. Yeah, back. I mean it's so kind of cliched, and I feel like oh yuck. <laughs> But because I think in English it's like you know saying I love you is like that that those kind of words have become like very common and very normalized. But in Malayalam, if you try to write that kind of words, it feels so <laughs> something. So uh, I felt like, and also the emotional certain word, like you know, if you when you write about depression. 
I found it very easy to write express in English because there is a lot of I think there has been lot written and there are a lot of emotional conveying emotions is kind of for me at least it's very easier in English and let it be two characters very intensely conversing with each other it's been if it's easy in English but in Malayalam when I try to feel uh, write it in Malayalam same thing I feel a little awkward maybe it's about the it's a culture also okay you know malayalis are like a little reserved kind of people we don't go around say i love you to everybody <laughs> or we don't <laughs> we don't say thank you all the time it feels like if you say thank you to somebody who are very close they take it as an insult you know why are you thanking me for something because you know it's my responsibility so i think it has something to do with the uh, you know the culture and uh, society also yeah but i uh, the thing is certain local uh, aspects say myths myths and uh, say i'm i'm writing about this kutichathan myth in english oh, and, okay. and uh, so that is like the novella next time the one that's coming is a fantasy mythical magical realism blend kind of a thing and i've taken this kutichathan myth from malayalam and i'm trying to place it in english and it's been very difficult because the rituals that the things we use the objects we use in that uh, puja and everything so those kind of things the hyper local rituals and hyper local language people use and all that has been very difficult to write in english so yeah but um, i think i need to yet to get that fluency back in malayalam because this kind of anyway it's a skill right so you have to keep it sharp you have to to for the words to flow you have to let it kind of flow if you keep it stuck somewhere it won't come out so i think in practice is an important thing so i think once i start writing more in malayalam that also will come probably <laughs> no no that that's that's amazing because i think translation is something you can definitely look at as an added skill set because now i think especially for regional languages i think so many people are interested in translating you know the english titles into different indian languages or even others so it's it's definitely a very i think useful skill to have and it's great to be able to translate something into your mother tongue right so it's more accessible to people uh, which is really cool but yeah now we're kind of coming towards the end of the interview um so first thing i want to ask you is you know what are the kind of writers you know books shows movies you really like uh, or you know basically what are stories that have impacted you while growing up or even just otherwise in life like you know writers who have inspired you or just stories that have really like hit you and been like oh my god like this is really sticking with me so for me like you know it's very different from what i write i'm i i really love crime and thriller and fiction so Uh, i really love stories with suspense so and i i i don't know i i cannot watch something which doesn't have suspense in it i always look for thriller movies i always look for uh, suspense and i really love a crime investigation like a good crime investigation <laughs> so uh, i think that is very different i don't write in that genre i am not even like trying to write in that genre because something which is something i respect too much to tamper with <laughs> I actually want to try writing that genre at least once. <laughs> so, um, growing up, yeah, there have been like, as I said, Kamala Das and Vaikam Muhammad Bashir and all those things. All those writers have influenced me. 
so what i find in their writing the common thing is like it's so connected to the real life it's like very very connected to the real life the real people and it's very rich when you read the prose right it's so deep and rich you feel the richness i don't know how to express it so that's what i want to also incorporate in my writing the richness of it you know when you somebody reads a page you feel like wow i had a good meal or i mean it should enrich people whatever they write and i really like crime fiction especially arthur conan doyle sherlock holmes i am like big fan girl <laughs> i have read and read every single thing he has written and uh, but i really have kind of thing for this dark kind of stories you know the, the dark things stories that explore the dark side of human uh, psyche yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah it's like romance yeah i enjoy romance or like all other things like very hyper realistic stories i enjoy to certain extent but i enjoy stories which kind of uh, dig into this weird psyche of people you know somebody said so yesterday again rewatch amityville horror because i was so so fascinated by this person's think thought process of going and killing all the family members i mean what what he has been going through <laughs> so this kind of twisted psyche things <laughs> kind of fascinates me because i am as a normal human being i cannot i am unable to go through that th- thought process yeah yeah like that yeah so uh, that kind of crime thriller and courtroom courtroom drama oh, i really oh. love court <laughs> maybe this is a malayali thing i don't know <laughs> so wonderful i watched seven seven seasons of uh, good wife like last two months oh, wow so, oh wow okay <laughs> I've only watched one season. <laughs> I can I cannot stop because even though there is a, such a nonsense going through with all office politics and all I mean you don't know who is running the office anymore but still there are cases so interesting. So I think and my interests in and humor the other thing I am really interested is humor and I also love writing humor because it's something which I write with without any stress. I really enjoy <laughs> writing it especially about my family members. uh maybe a way of do, taking revenge <laughs> but i wrote a piece about my husband in readers digest has <laughs> become a big hit with my family because they everyone agrees <laughs> oh, wow. okay. so i like really like watching humor in malayalam movies malayalam like so good you cannot compare it with anything else i think the comedy else. in malayalam movies i'm sorry if you and if you know the culture if you know the language it's just another level <laughs> i keep watching older malayalam movies like you know kudravattam pappu his scenes there are certain scenes which i really love i keep watching it so that is something which so but basically my writing and my interests in reading or uh, movies or that it doesn't have doesn't have any similarities because i am a totally different person as a writer uh, my writing is totally different than a person i am so when some people meet me like they they expect this very serious person okay <laughs> then i when i go and talk to them they're like can't believe you wrote all that kind of stories <laughs> like um, <laughs> so i don't know like but uh, my interests are all because it's it is refreshing to have i think you know different interests than your writing because otherwise you will be like reading the same stuff and writing the same stuff so yeah no because i love crime thrillers and like true crime as well it's 
it's like you said i love this whole thing on psychology and like this courtroom this very investigative like i think it's so cool it's so fascinating in fact i think the malayalam like like malayalam language like in movies itself i think there's so many good like crime stories investigations i mean uh, shout out to cbi diary corp <laughs> though they have though they have ruined the latest movie <laughs> but yeah i think first three were really good yeah i yeah, know the first I, three yes oh my god this is the exact same thing i told someone like the first three were actually no first two third was okay the fourth was actually not bad i'm sorry we're having a conversation about films now yeah so no it's like you said it's really good like shows and series um you should check out mind hunter if you haven't already okay no i have not i have to <laughs> it's, it's it's on netflix so it's about how they came like the concept of criminal psychology came like in the 60s 70s in the us so it's by david fincher so it's very inter- very dark very interesting <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah um yeah but now kind of moving to our last two questions uh so first up is you know what are you looking forward to what are your aspirations you know just things um you know in the near or distant future that you're just like looking forward to yeah so um i actually i'm not a kind of person who plans a lot that might have been very evident from whatever i told i just jump at things and then okay sometimes find myself in a soup and try to really hard to get out of it but yeah for me i think the only plan now is right I mean, just write whatever like you know i mean so this right now the immediate future i have this novella which i am doing i think the fourth or fifth revision with the editor so she she is very like you know she pushes uh, you hard but still it's kind of within you know limits of like, i know that she's trying to polish it a lot so the the immediate future is the novella i am looking forward to it like it's been started as a short story in 2020 so 3 4 years i have been with it and like really looking forward to publishing it with red river press and then i think about the novel like about vinard and it's going to be a big canvas big novel so i i'm really scared whether to start or not like very intimidated by it but yeah but still there is a, like a few characters are developing in my head so i it will be really good to it will be a really good homage to my place my roots so that is one thing which i want to because that will again take another 3 4 years for me i'm very sure about it because i tend to do things very slowly i don't write a lot because my novella magic square was in 2020 and then i wrote the by novel i took 3 years in between so i write very slowly and my plans as such see yeah i just want to write as much as i can as long as i can so there is no other plan per se because um, i think uh, i think if you write keep writing uh, everything else will fall into place publishers will come and uh, you know readers will come everyone will come but the most important thing for a writer is to concentrate on the craft and try to improve not not bother about I mean yeah you can bother about trial readers publishers you can bother about fame and everything yeah everyone we are all human we bother about all that stuff but i think writing has to come first then the other things follows <laughs> so like three idiots they told you have to concentrate on perfection then everything else will come in your way so i just i just hope and you know pray that i have that mental ability to concentrate on my craft and not get distracted with all other stuff you know all other stuff that comes with the comes as a part and parcel of creativity 
like all your insecurities all your you know fame and some sometimes there are a lot of distraction from people around you who like or dislike your work so i just want to be stay away from all that and you know have that stillness within me to write so that's that's what i have learned in this year the biggest learning i know that i need i need to distance myself from all that sit with my craft and perfect it so that's the long term plan <laughs> no that's amazing and i i think your dedication and you've clearly you have a discipline for doing this uh, also I, i know we said we're coming towards the end because but now i'm like just curious to know this uh, like then do you have like a writing routine since you're kind of doing this every day now yeah yeah so i it's because it's my full time job now i start like i just started as a normal office day like 8:30 9 i start sit at my desk and mostly i write for some of one or two hours i write my content because i have to submit one article per week so i kind of balance it with so mostly like mornings i write fiction like maybe 9 to 11 11:30 i write fiction then in the afternoons when i'm comparatively like kind of tired i write my content so every day at least 4 to 5 hours of writing goes in so because it, because content actually demands a lot so i don't write in like you know because since i have thankfully i have the privilege i really call it a privilege because not a lot of people get this privilege to sit and write at the time when others go for work okay i don't i'm not saying it's not a work but you know there are people who write at 4 am in the morning 1 one am in the you know like so it's there are a lot of people and i call it a privilege because having this routine having the privilege to have this routine itself is a big thing and i'll never i wish i never take it for granted because you know getting 4 hours writing a day is something huge and i think it wouldn't have happened like if i had a full time job i had to squeeze in a lot of things so yeah but i am really thankful you know whenever i sit in front of my computer in the morning i'm so glad and thankful for you know having this opportunity <laughs> that's incredible and you know to more great pieces uh you know by you uh and finally um you know what is a piece of advice or learning you would like to share this can be personal professional creative just something you know you've experienced uh, in your life and you wish more people were aware of yeah so uh, like for me there has been lot huge transitions in my life like you know from engineering to creativity i mean being a creative person i mean i have been a creative person but still uh, moving from full time job to a creative field has been very demanding and i think everyone wants uh, something like that because everyone wants to find a passion that's what i found in common in all human beings we want to find our passion we want to be passionate about something be it may not be creative fields or anything we want to find some passion but a lot of people are searching for it so i think if you are for for finding a passion the most important thing is curiosity so you have to be curious about things like you know uh, just it's been i know it's, it's a bit cliched like you know uh, it's like they say don't settle it's not in the sense of worldly sense of settling no it's not like you can't have you know family or you can't have a job sense settling in the sense of don't settle mentally 
don't settle things thinking that okay i cannot do anything more okay don't say that this is my life and you know i it's it's done and dusted there's nothing more to it so i think that curiosity to like it not need not be big thing you don't have to quit your job and do something it's just be a, like a two hours on a weekend or a one hour a weekend doing something you like could actually lead to something bigger you know after when you do it for year over year like for a five years you have done something for every weekend it becomes a thing if it means to be if you're passionate it has to become a thing and i have i know a lot of people including myself who has done this like doing something you love for a little bit little by little and then kind of moved and it became a thing so suddenly people come and ask me like how did you find your passion so i tell them i didn't know that it was my passion to start with it just i did it first and i did it again and again and it became my passion like <laughs> what i'm trying to say is like you know sometimes when you think about it like making a big change in our lives we feel it's a huge thing we have to topple our entire life you know you have to cut all our ties with everybody and all that it's not i mean it's just that you kind of instead of overthinking it too much just have that one hour even a weekly one hour or even you have like even monthly one hour the persistence is the key so so if you can do that if you if, if somebody can without thinking too much about future what will happen to me what will happen to my passion whether it will become a profession once you have all that kind of stressful thoughts things become very difficult for you because you cannot immediately convert a passion into a profession you may never be able to convert a passion to a profession <laughs> to be honest but yeah doing that like you know take a little small steps and persistence i think persistence is the key um, because yeah i mean you have to if, if everyone has to admit that we may not be a genius in our passion for example like i will never become a like you know you, i may never become a nobel prize winning persons level of writer but it doesn't matter okay because it's 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 not a point that's that's what i'm trying to say it's not the point that you become somebody or something it's the point is uh, you enjoy it you find meaning in it you know you it it allows you to be happier i mean have in the sense not happier all the time but at least find some purpose and meaning in it rather than just going over your life in a autopilot mode <laughs> that's what i feel <laughs> no i i think that's uh, a great piece of advice and um yeah i i i think i agree i think that whole point of not settling just because you think that that's it i mean if there's something you want to do and you want to do more and i think keeping that curiosity alive like you said um then yeah i mean go for it you you only get one life so you might as well do what you can with it whatever it is you choose to do um so yeah on that note we've now come to the end of this interview thank you so much for being here shalini it was lovely talking to you i hope you had fun yes yes of course i was like so happy to you know talk o- talk about all these things like it's always a f- always a pleasure to talk about literature the writing to the like minded people <laughs> So thank you so much uh, for this opportunity and thank you for your time. Thank you so much. 
So that was my conversation with Shalini Vineet. It was so much fun talking to her about Malayalam literature, books, writing and self-publishing. Closing this episode with an excerpt from Shalini's book Lost Edges narrated by her. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next week with a new guest and a new chronicle to share. Talk soon and don't forget to vote for the Closet Writer Chronicles for the Podmasters Awards under Arts and Entertainment. I'm going to read a small portion from my novel Lost Edges. Rudella Marine was thriving with joyous crowd. Couples walked under the moonlit sky with their fingers intertwined. Kids ran around holding pink cotton candy sticks that resembled balloons. Everyone seemed to be in bliss. Whenever I looked at another person, I imagined how better their life was. Will I ever be happy? I sat on a concrete bench by the beach and stared into the ocean. It was a full moon day and the sea glittered like molten silver. Silver white clouds dotted the Prussian blue sky. The wind carried a warm smell, popcorn. I couldn't resist it. Nibbling onto the popcorn, I watched the crowd dispersing. I didn't bother to go back to the hotel. Time seemed like a never-ending continuum. My past, present and future slowly vanished. It felt like I was hovering above my body, curiously looking down at myself. The critic in my brain turned quiet. I lived in the moment. The next morning I saw the National Youth Hostel's trekking poster during breakfast. I decided to give it a try and went to the ATM to extract the last bits of money from my account. To my surprise, the ATM slip showed a balance of 2 lakhs in my account. It meant Gidu was keeping a tab on me. I hadn't called her in a few days as I didn't know what to tell her. I left Pondicherry the following day and travelled to Chennai. I called Gidu from the railway station while waiting for the Durando Express. She picked up the call on the first ring. To transfer money, I mumbled. It's okay, don't worry about that. Where are you now? I told her about my plan to track the value of flowers. I was expecting an avalanche of questions. Okay, I'll be going to Kolkata for a few days. You stay safe, she said. You too. Gidu didn't want to know the details of my trip. She didn't tell me why she was going to Kolkata either. I didn't know if it meant good or bad. The train soon pulled out of the Chennai Central. I sat on an inconspicuous window seat. My first stop would be Delhi and from there I was planning to get a connection to Haridwar. The coupe was full of enthusiastic youngsters. Their banter and laughter filled the compartment like iridescent soap bubbles. What would Arnav look like if he was alive? Looking at those teenagers, I wondered. Surprisingly, it didn't pain to think about Arnav. Instead, a warm sensation filled me. Cities and villages travelled backwards at a tremendous speed. I kept looking outside all day, taking in all that I saw. Hostel villages of Tamil Nadu, green paddy fields lined with black palmyra trees, the scorched fields of Warangal, rapid rivers and placid lakes. Two days later, I reached Haridwar and checked into a modest dormitory, Baba Kamli. The next day, I would report to the base camp of the Valley of Flowers truck. Sap, you go and watch the Ganga Arti if you have time. It will bring you peace, the manager of the dormitory suggested. How did he know that I was in search of peace? Maybe everyone came to Haridwar in search of peace. I simply smiled at him. I reached the ghat half an hour early. As usual, I had nothing else to do. 
I got a small pot, leaf pot of marigold flowers with an earthen lamp at the center of it. A white wick stuck outside the lamp like a collapsed tongue. I poured oil into the lamp, lit it and offered it to Ganga. It had been a long time since I prayed so I didn't try. I stood on the river bank, staring at my leaf pot until it tumbled into the water. Soon the Ganga Arti began. Three pandits in saffron silk kurtas and cream dhoti stood facing river Ganga. They carried multi-layered brass lamps blazing with fire. They started chanting mantras and waved their brass lamps in synchronized movements. Crowd echoed in the chants. The Arti gained speed and the pandits vigorously whirled the lamps as if possessed by a spirit. The chants turned into a collective cry for moksha perhaps. Soon the pandits changed their brass lamps for incense burners. Thick fumes rose from the incense burners and the air carried a pleasant whiff of camphor. The crowd trembled with an upsurge of devotion. I closed my eyes and it felt like I was inside a beehive, alive and buzzing.